0: Chapter 18 of Esther Reed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Esther Reed by Pansy. Chapter 18 Light Out of Darkness. Slowly, slowly, the night wore away, and the eastern sky grew rosy with the blush of a new morning, the bridal morning. How strangely unreal! How even impossible did it seem to Esther, as she raised the curtains and looked drearily out upon the dawn, that this was actually the day upon which her thoughts had centred during the last three weeks. What a sudden shutting down had there been to all their plans and preparations! How strangely the house looked, here a room bedecked in festive beauty for the wedding, there one with shrouded mirrors and floating folds of crape! Life and death, a wedding and a funeral— they had never either of them touched so close to her before, and now the one had suddenly glided backward and left her heart heavy with the coming of the other. Mechanically she turned to look upon the silvery garment gleaming among the white furnishings of the bed, for she was that very morning to have assisted in arraying the bride in those robes of beauty. Her own careful fingers had laid out all the bewildering paraphernalia of the dressing-room, sash and gloves and handkerchief and laces. Just in that very spot had she stood only yesterday, and talking the while with Abby, had altered a knot of ribbons, and given the ends a more graceful droop, and just at that moment Abby had been summoned below stairs to see Mr. Foster, and now he was waiting down there, not for Abby, but for the coffin and the grave, and Abby was... And here Esther gave a low, shuddering moan, and covered her eyes with her hands. Why had she come into that room at all? And why was all this fearful time allowed to come to Abby? Poor, poor Abby! She had been so bright and so good, and Mr. Foster had been so entirely her guide. How could she ever endure it? Esther doubted much whether Abby could ever bear to see her again. She had been so closely connected with all these bright days over which so fearful a pall had fallen. It would be very natural if she were to refuse even to see her and indeed Esther almost hoped she would. It seemed to her that this was a woe too deep to be spoken of or endured, only she said with a kind of desperation, things must be endured, and there was a wild thought in her heart that if she could but have the ordering of events, all this bitter sorrow should never be. There came a low, tremulous knock as an interruption to her thoughts and Maggie's swollen eyes and tear-stained face appeared at the door with a message. "'If you please, Miss Esther, she wants you.' "'Who?' asked Esther, with trembling lips and a sinking of her heart. "'Miss Abby, ma'am, she asked for you, and said would you come to her as soon as you could.' But it was hours after that, before Esther brought herself to feel that she could go to her. Nothing had ever seemed so hard to her to do. How to look how to act, what to say, and, above all, what not to say to this poor widowed bride. These questions were by no means answered, when she suddenly, in desperate haste, decided that if it must be done, the sooner it was over, the better, and she made all speed to prepare herself for the visit. And yet there was enough of Esther's personal self left, even on that morning, to send a little quiver of complacency through her veins, as she bathed her tear-stained face and smoothed her disordered hair. Abby had sent for her. Abby wanted her. She had sent twice. Evidently she had turned to her for help. Miserably unable, as she felt herself to give it, still it was a comfort to feel that she was the one selected from the household for companionship. Esther knew that Mrs. Reed had been with her daughter for a few moments, and that Ralph had rushed in and out again, too overcome to stay. But Esther had asked no questions, and received no information concerning her. She pictured her lying on the bed, with disordered hair and swollen eyes, given over to the abandonment of grief, or else the image of stony despair, and it was with a very trembling hand that at last she softly turned the knob and let herself into the morning-room, which she and Abby had enjoyed together, and just as she pushed open the door, a neighboring clock counted out twelve strokes, and it was twelve o'clock that Abby was to become a wife. Midway in the room, Esther paused, and, as her eyes rested on Abby, a look of bewildering astonishment gathered on her face. In the little easy-chair by the open window, one hand keeping the place in the partly closed book, sat the young creature, whose life had so suddenly darkened around her. The morning robe of soft pure white was perfect in its neatness and simplicity, the brown curls clustered around her brow with their wonted grace and beauty. And while under her eyes indeed there were heavy rings of black, yet the eyes themselves were large and full and tender. As she held out the disengaged hand, there came the soft and gentle likeness of a smile over her face, and Esther, bewildered, amazed, frightened, stood almost as transfixed as if she had been one of those who saw the angel sitting at the door of the empty tomb. Stood a moment, then a sudden revulsion of feeling overcoming her, hurried forward and dropping on her knees, bowed her head over the white hand and the half-open Bible, and burst into a passion of tears. "'Dear Esther!' this said Abby in the softest, most soothing of tones. The mourner turned comforter. "'Oh, Abby, Abby, how can you bear it? How can you live?' burst forth from the heart of this friend who had come to comfort this afflicted one. There was a little bit of silence now and a touching tremble to the voice when it was heard again. THE LORD KNOWETH THEM THAT ARE HIS, I TRY TO REMEMBER THAT. CHRIST KNOWS IT ALL, AND HE LOVES ME, AND HE IS ALL-POWERFUL, AND YET HE LEADS ME THROUGH THIS DARK ROAD, THEREFORE IT MUST BE RIGHT. BUT, SAID ESTHER, RAISING HER EYES AND STAYING HER TEARS FOR VERY AMAZEMENT, I DO NOT UNDERSTAND, I DO NOT SEE. HOW CAN YOU BE SO CALM, SO SUBMISSIVE, AT LEAST JUST NOW, SO SOON, AND YOU WERE TO HAVE BEEN MARRIED TODAY? The blood rolled in great purple waves over neck and cheek and brow, and then receded, leaving a strange, almost death-like pallor behind it. The small hands were tightly clasped, with a strange mixture of pain and devotion in the movement, and the white lips moved for a moment, forming words that met no mortal ear. Then the sweet, low, tender voice sounded again. "'Dear Esther, I pray. There is no other way. I pray all the time. I keep right by my Savior. There is just a little, oh, a very little, veil of flesh between him and between my, my husband and myself. Jesus loves me, Esther. I know it now just as well as I did yesterday. I do not and cannot doubt him. A mixture of awe and pain and astonishment kept Esther moveless and silent, and Abby spoke no more for some moments. Then it was a changed, almost bright voice. Esther, do you remember we stood together alone for a moment yesterday? I will tell you what he said, the last words that were intended for just me only, that I shall hear for a little while. They are my words, you know, but I shall tell them to you so that you may see how tender Christ is, even in his most solemn chastenings. See here, he said, I will give you a word to keep until we meet in the morning. The Lord watch between thee and me while we are absent one from another. I have been thinking, while I sat here this morning, watching the coming of this new day, which, you know, is his first day in heaven, that perhaps it will be on some such morning of beauty as this, that my long, long day will dawn, and that I will say to him, as soon as ever I see his face again, The word was a good one, the Lord has watched between us, and the night is gone. Think of it, Esther, I shall surely say that some day, some summer morning." The essence of sweetness and the sublimity of faith which this young Christian threw into these jubilant words cannot be repeated on paper. But, thank God, they can in the heart. They are but the echo of those sure and everlasting words, My grace is sufficient for thee. As for Esther, who had spent her years groveling in the dust of earth, it was the recital of such an experience as she had not deemed it possible for humanity to reach and still she knelt immovable and silent, and Abby broke the silence yet again. "'Dear Esther, do you know I have not seen him yet, and I want to? Mother does not understand, and she would not give her consent, but she thinks me safe while you are with me. Would you mind going down with me just to look at his face again?' "'Oh, Esther would mind it dreadfully. She was actually afraid of death. She was afraid of the effect of such a scene upon this strange Abby. She raised her head, shivering with pain and apprehension, and looked a volume of petition and remonstrance. But ere she spoke, Abby's hand rested lovingly on her arm, and her low, sweet voice continued the pleading. "'You do not quite understand my mood, Esther. I am not unlike others. I have wept bitter tears this past night. I have groaned in agony of spirit. I have moaned in the very dust. I shall doubtless have such struggles again.' this is earth, and the flesh is weak. But now is my hour of exaltation, and while it is given me now to feel a faint overshadowing of the very glory which surrounds him, I want to go and look my last upon the dear clay which is to stay here on earth with me. And Esther rose up and wound her arm about the tiny frame which held this brave true heart, and without another spoken word the two went swiftly down the stairs and entered the silent, solemn parlour. Yet, even while she went, a fierce throb of pain shook Esther's heart, as she remembered how they had arranged to descend the staircase on this very day, in what a different manner, and for what a different purpose. Apparently no such thought as this touched Abby. She went softly and yet swiftly forward to the still form, while Esther waited in almost breathless agony to see what would result from this trial of faith and nerve. But what a face it was upon which death had left its seal! No sculptured marble was ever so grand in its solemn beauty as was this clay-molded face upon which the glorious smile born not of earth rested in full sweetness. Abby, with clasped hands and slightly parted lips, stood and almost literally drank in the smile. Then, sweet and low and musical, there broke the sound of her voice in that great solemn room. So he giveth his beloved sleep. Not another word or sound disturbed the silence and still Abby stood and gazed on the dear, dead face, and still Esther stood near the door and watched with alternations of anxiety and awe the changeful expressions on the scarcely less white face of the living, until at last, without sound or word, she dropped upon her knees a cloud of white drapery floating around her and clasped her hands over the lifeless breast. Then on Esther's face the anxiety gave place to awe, and with softly moving fingers she opened the door, and with noiseless tread went out into the hall, and left the living and dead alone together. There was one more scene for Esther to endure that day. Late in the afternoon, as she went to the closed room, there was bending over the manly form a gray-haired old woman. By whose friendly hands she had been permitted to enter, Esther did not stop to wonder. She had seen her but once before, but she knew at a glance the worn, wrinkled face— And, as if a picture of the scene hung before her, she saw that old, queer form, leaning trustfully on the strong arm, lying nerveless now, being carefully helped through the pushing throng, being reverently cared for as if she had been his mother, and she, looking after the two, had wondered if she should ever see them again. Now she stood in the presence of them both, yet what an unmeasurable ocean rolled between them! THE FADED TEARFUL EYES WERE RAISED TO HER FACE AFTER A MOMENT, AND A QUIVERING VOICE SPOKE HER THOUGHTS ALOUD, RATHER THAN ADDRESSED ANYBODY. HE GAVE HIS LIFE FOR POOR, OLD, USELESS ME, AND IT WAS SUCH A BEAUTIFUL LIFE, AND WAS NEEDED, OH, SO MUCH. BUT WHAT AM I SAYING, GOD LET IT BE HIM INSTEAD OF ME, WHO WANTED SO TO GO, AND AFTER TRUSTING HIM ALL ALONG, AM I, AT MY TIME OF LIFE, GOING TO MURMUR AT HIM NOW? He came to see me only yesterday, this in a more natural tone of voice, addressed to Esther. He told me good-bye. He said he was going on a long journey with his wife, and now may the dear Saviour help the poor darling, for he has gone his long journey without her. Esther waited to hear not another word. The heavy sense of pain because of Abby, which she had carried about with her through all that weary day, had reached its height with that last sentence, HE HAS GONE HIS LONG JOURNEY WITHOUT HER. SHE FLED FROM THE ROOM, UP THE STAIRS, TO THE QUIET LITTLE CHAMBER, WHICH HAD BEEN GIVEN TO HER FOR HER HOURS OF RETIREMENT, LOCKED AND BOLTED THE DOOR, AND COMMENCED PACING UP AND DOWN THE ROOM IN AGONY OF SOUL. IT WAS NOT ALL BECAUSE OF ABBY THAT THIS PAIN KNOCKED SO STEADILY AT HER HEART, AT LEAST NOT ALL OUT OF SYMPATHY FOR HER BITTER SORROW. THERE WAS A FEARFUL TUMULT RAGING IN HER OWN SOUL. HER LAST STRONGHOLD HAD BEEN SHATTERED. Of late she had come to think that Abby's Christian life was but a sweet reflection of Mr. Foster's strong, true soul, that she leaned not on Christ, but on the arm of flesh. She had told herself very confidently that if she had such a friend as he had been to Abby, she should be like her. In her hours of rebellion she had almost angrily reminded herself that it was not strange that Abby's life could be so free from blame. She had someone to turn to in her needs. It was a very easy matter for Abby to slip lightly over the petty trials of her life, so long as she was surrounded and shielded by that strong, true love. But now, ah, now, the arm of flesh had faltered, the strong staff had broken, and broken, too, only a moment, as it were, before it was to have been hers in name as well as in spirit. Naturally, Esther had expected that the young creature, so suddenly shorn of her best and dearest, would falter and faint and utterly fail. And when, looking on, she saw the triumph of the Christian's faith, rising even over death, sustained by no human arm and yet wonderfully triumphantly sustained, even while she bent for that last time over that which was to have been her earthly all, looking and wondering, there suddenly fell away from her the stupor of years, and Esther saw with wide open eyes and thoroughly awakened soul, that there was a something in this Christian religion that Abby had, and she did not. And thus it was that she paced her room in that strange agony that was worse than grief, and more sharp than despair. No use now to try to lull her conscience back to quiet sleep again. That time was past, and it was thoroughly and sharply awake. The same all-wise hand, which had tenderly freed one soul from its bonds of play and called it home, had as tenderly and as wisely, with the same stroke, cut the cords that bound this other soul to earth, loosed the scales from her long-closed eyes, broke the sleep that had well-nigh lulled her to ruin, and now heart and brain and conscience were thoroughly and forever awake. When at last, from sheer exhaustion, she ceased her excited pacing up and down the room and sank into a chair, her heart was not more stilled. It seemed to her, long after, in thinking of this hour, that it was given to her to see deeper into the recesses of her own depravity than ever mortal had seen before. She began years back, at that time when she thought she had given her heart to Christ, and reviewed step by step all the weary way up to this present time, and she found nothing but backslidings and inconsistencies and confusion, denials of her Savior, a closed Bible, a neglected closet, a forgotten cross." Oh, the bitterness, the unutterable agony of that hour! Surely Abby, on her knees struggling with her bleeding heart, and yet feeling all around and underneath her the everlasting arms, knew nothing of desolation such as this. Fiercer and fiercer waged the warfare, until at last every root of pride or self-complacence or self-excuse was utterly cast out. Yet did not Satan despair. Oh, he meant to have this poor, sick, weak lamb, if he could get her, no effort should be left unmade. And when he found that she could be no more coaxed and lulled and petted into peace, he tried that darker, heavier temptation, tried to stupefy her into absolute despair. No, she said within her heart, I am not a Christian. I have never been one. I never can be one. I've been a miserable, self-deceived hypocrite all my life. I HAVE HAD A NAME TO LIVE, AND I AM DEAD. I WOULD NOT LET MYSELF BE AWAKENED. I HAVE STRUGGLED AGAINST IT. I HAVE BEEN ONLY TOO GLAD TO STOP MYSELF FROM THINKING ABOUT IT. I HAVE BEEN JUST A MISERABLE STUMBLING-BLOCK WITH NO EXCUSE TO OFFER. AND NOW I FEEL MYSELF DESERTED, JUSTLY SO. THERE CAN BE NO REST FOR SUCH AS I. I HAVE NO SAVIOR. I HAVE INSULTED AND DENIED HIM. I HAVE CRUCIFIED HIM AGAIN, AND NOW HE HAS LEFT ME TO MYSELF. Thus did that father of lies continue to pour into this weary soul the same old story which he has repeated for so many hundred years, with the same old foundation, I, I, I. And strange to say, this poor girl repeated the experience which has so many times been lived, during these past hundreds of years, in the very face of that other glorious pronoun, in very defiance, it would seem, to that old, old explanation, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Yes, Esther knew those two verses. She knew yet another which said, We all, like sheep, have gone astray, we have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all and yet she dared to sit with hopeless folded hand with heavy despairing eyes and repeat that sentence i have no savior now and many a wandering sheep has dared even in its repenting hour to insult the great shepherd thus esther's bible lay on the window seat the large somewhat worn bible which abby had lent her to mark just as much as she pleased it lay open as if it had opened of itself to a familiar spot There were heavy markings around several of the verses, markings that had not been made by Esther's pencil. Some power far removed from that which had been guiding her despairing thoughts prompted her to reach forth her hand for the book and fix her attention on those marked verses, and the words were these, For thus saith the High and Lofty One that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is Holy. I dwell in the high and holy place, with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, neither will I be always wroth. For the spirit should fail before me, and the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness was I wroth, and smote him. I hid me, and was wroth, and he went on frowardly in the way of his heart. I have seen his ways, and will heal him. I will lead him also, and restore comforts unto him and to his mourners. I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him that is afar off, and to him that is near, saith the Lord, and I will heal him. Had an angel spoken to Esther, or was it the dear voice of the Lord himself? She did not know. She only knew that there rang through her very soul two sentences as the climax of all these wonderful words, Peace, peace to him that is afar off, and I will heal him. A moment more, and with the very promise of the crucified spread out before her, Esther was on her knees, and at first with bursts of passionate, tearful pleading, and later with low, humble, contrite tones, and finally with the sound in her voice of that peace which comes only to those to whom Christ is repeating, I have blotted out as a cloud thy transgressions, and as a thick cloud thy sins, did Esther pray. Do you know, dear Esther, there must have been two new joys in heaven today? First they had a newcomer among those who walk with him in white, for they are worthy, and then they had that shout of triumph over another soul for whom Satan has struggled fiercely and whom he has forever lost. This said Abby as they nestled close together that evening in the purple twilight. And Esther answered simply and softly, Amen. End of chapter 18 Recording by Tricia G.